Good morning, good morning. Thanks for being here. Go ahead and finish filling up your coffees and come join us. Uh, thanks, thanks for joining us this morning. We are excited to be together. Uh, this is a time of year that the sun starts coming out and we start enjoying outdoor activities. Doesn't it feel like the world is just coming to life around us? And, and in turn, we as well, right? Coming out of our hibernation from a long, snowy winter. It's good to be together here this morning, so thanks for joining us. Uh, for, for those of you that are new here today, uh, we are a new church here in the Tri-Cities. We've been at this uh, about a year and a half now. We're blessed to be meeting in a public school of all places. Uh, we love our arrangement. We love our partner, Dean Buck, back there. Dean, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for all you do. We're a church about belonging first. Uh, we believe that as we, uh, as we look at Jesus, the life that he lived and the way that he operated on earth, uh, belonging came first. And he, he welcomed everyone, the outcasts and the marginalized, the society, and he invited them into relationship. Uh, we believe in Jesus, and we invite you to believe in Jesus. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, and, uh, and it's in believing in Jesus that he enables us to become the people we were created to be, to live new lives and experience new and beautiful things. Thanks for joining us here this morning. We've been studying through the book of Acts, and the book of Acts tells the story of the Holy Spirit working powerfully um, as the church begins to grow and then spread throughout the world. And uh, so Jesus has has died and risen, and, and now the uh, the church is beginning. Incredible things happening. And uh, you'll, you'll remember through the first, like, eight books of the, the, the eight chapters of the book of Acts, um, it's a story of the Jewish people coming to believe in Jesus as their Messiah. Um, the church has begun in Jerusalem as some 10,000 people strong and growing amongst the Jewish people. Uh, but we caught a glimpse a couple weeks ago. Um, Philip, uh, one of the early believers in Jesus, is out on the road and he meets this Ethiopian guy, a guy that lives far away, an Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, the guy says, well, hey, I believe in Jesus. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And Philip, apart from the authorization of the church and, and apart from all the theology that would be wrapped up in, well, can I baptize this guy for this reason or that? Philip says, yeah, there's water, let's do it, right? And we, and we caught this glimpse into this movement moving uh, beyond Jerusalem, beyond the Israelites. Well, today we see the extension of that. We see a turning point in the story in Acts chapter 10. So I'm going to start actually uh, at the end of the text today. We'll begin in verse 36 in just a minute, but what I'm going to read here for you is just Peter's beautiful account of what the gospel message is. Now, if you grew up in church, you have heard the term gospel a lot. It's a term that we're familiar with, right? And so we might think of, well, the first four books in the Bible, in the, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are called gospels, right? They tell the story of Jesus. Uh, the term gospel, uh, it may mean a lot of different things to a lot of different Christians. Uh, some of us grew up in movements where the gospel means a lot of different rules and a lot of different things I have to do to be right before God, right? Some of us grew up in movements, in, in most simple simple terms, the gospel means good news. Now, the, the term gospel in the New Testament is borrowed from uh, the, uh, just the Roman world and, and rule. Uh, so it looked like this. When a king is fighting a battle, uh, uh, you know, to defend the borders of his country, if he loses that battle, um, as they retreat, they will go through the villages saying, it's time to retreat. Either prepare to fight or or leave your home because we have lost a battle and we have lost this portion of the land. Now, if the king wins a battle on the front line, if he defends his people and the villages nearby, well, then he would send an evangelist uh, into the surrounding villages and he would say, your king has won a good 
uh, a battle. And, and you know what that, that message was called that the evangelist would bring? It was called the gospel. The good news that your king has won a battle on your behalf and you are safe. You get to live in peace and find hope because the king has won a battle. So the first century author said this story about Jesus, this, this message of the good news of hope and healing and forgiveness in the lives of people, this is, this is good news. This is a gospel. Our king has won a battle. And so they, they borrowed that term, uh, the, the idea of, of, of gospel. And so today I'm going to read first for you uh, Acts chapter 10, verses 36 through uh, 43. And it'll be on the, the overhead up here if you want to follow along there. Um, but this is Peter's account of the gospel. This is his description of the gospel for us. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened through the providence of Judea, uh, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Uh, They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. All right. So this is Peter's description. He's going to uh, sit in the home of, uh, of people, and he's going to say, here's what you need to know about Jesus. And he tells this beautiful story about uh, God bringing peace to the world, good news that peace has come through Jesus Christ. He tells the story just briefly of Jesus' life. He went around doing good uh, and, and healing people. This was, this was the work of Jesus. He taught he was a prophet. But like the prophets in Israel, like all the prophets in Israel, uh, the people in time rejected him. Uh, he was hung on a cross and he died. But the story didn't end in a grave, but instead he says God rose Jesus from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he appeared to us. And Peter will sit here in this text and, and, and he sits before these people saying, I, I ate and I drank with a risen Savior. I mean, can you imagine, like to us, this is, this is kind of old news. We've heard this sort of thing many times. Can you imagine the glimmer in Peter's eye as he says to them, I was one of those that got to eat and drink with Jesus after his resurrection. And you see, the resurrection changes everything. He says, everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. He says that is the gospel, and it is good news. It is about peace and hope. It is about what God has accomplished on our behalf. It is good news that God has won a battle, and we are the recipients of peace and his blessing because of it. That is the gospel message. You know, and so here's the interesting thing about the gospel. Um, the question becomes, uh, the question that we are invited to ask and, and, our, and our culture and the world is invited to ask, well, well, is it for me, right? Many people know the story of Jesus, but the question becomes, what does it mean to me? Is it, is it a story for me? 
And very often, uh, we disqualify ourselves from, from that, that, that place. Uh, we dis- disqualify ourselves primarily on two different categories. One, we say, well, I'm a good person. You've maybe said this. You've certainly heard people say this. No, I'm a good person, right? I do more good things than I do bad things. I don't need this 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 story of Jesus. I don't need this belief that brings about some sort of forgiveness or salvation. This is a very common theme and conversation that, that happens certainly in our culture today. Um, I'm a good person. I don't need it. Ironically, that probably the second primary disqualifying category that, that we that's self-imposed in our lives is we say, no, I'm a bad person, uh, and so I don't deserve it. Right? You don't know what I've done, and there's no way I could be forgiven for what, I, what I've done. And isn't it ironic? The way we uh, so often disqualify ourselves on one or the other extreme. What's interesting is that the gospel speaks to both of these. No one in and of themselves is good enough. It is the grace of God that allows us to enter his presence and to do the things that we do. Uh, the gospel speaks into this saying, no one is too bad. Jesus, Jesus' sacrifice has entirely paid the cost and no one is too far gone and no one is without hope. But sometimes we find ourselves excluded. So the question I want to be asking this morning is, as we're going to read this, this narrative and we're going to have to cruise this morning because it's, it's a, it's a big text and story. But, uh, the question I want to be asking is, is it for me? Okay, but before we go to the text, I've got a question for you. Uh, tell me this. Who's your favorite band of all time? Go ahead and just shout it out. Don't be shy. We're not judgmental people. It's not like you're at a church or anything. Shout it out. Who's your favorite band of all time? Oh, my goodness. You did good, but I couldn't hear any of them because you all did it at once. The Gap Band. What else? Favorite band of all time? What, what was it? Metallica. That's Oh, Yep. I was tempted to say Nirvana, but I won't say it as my own. Okay, that's, don't hear that from the system. Okay, Coldplay, that's a good one as well. A lot of favorite bands. But you guys missed a major one. Um, do you guys remember Toad the Wet Sprocket? Oh, you're in for a treat. I got about 12 seconds of glory for you right here. Oh, man. You hear that? Man. Yeah, you guys missed it. Toad the wet sprocket. There it is. So show of hands, uh, who has a new favorite band of all times? Oh, one. Yes, okay. All right. So, uh, so okay, let's be honest. Uh, the music's terrible. The, the clothing and the dancing is even worse. Uh, however, they're asking the right question. Is it for me? And as we talk about the gospel, as we read this story, I want to ask that question. Is it for me? So let's read it. Um, and I'm going to jump around a little bit. It'll be easiest to follow ahead uh, up top, but I'll, I'll let you know the verse that we're in as we go. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. Uh, One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius goes on to ask what? Angel tells him two things. He says, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering to God. And the angel says, and I want you to send for a man named 
Peter. Okay, so here's what we need to know so far in the story. Cornelius uh, is not an Israelite. He is not one of these Jewish people amongst whom the gospel uh, message is being preached. Uh, he's not one of these people um, who is has been blessed by God with this covenant relationship. He's, in fact, a Roman soldier who who is a uh, seasoned uh, veteran, a general, um, with rank over many other Roman soldiers. Now remember, Rome controls the world at this time. And so uh, the Jewish nation has lives as a vassal state that is a kind of a slave state to the Roman world, okay? Um, Israel is no longer its own. The Romans are despised. They're the, they're the people that oppress us. These soldiers are the ones that take advantage of us and have conquered our nation and rule over us. It's interesting that this, this first major conversion and change is going to be in the life of a Roman soldier, right? A, a general in, in the, in the Roman army. And so this man, however, uh, is painted in a very different light than what people thought of Roman soldiers, right? Instead, he's a God-fearing man. He gave generously to those in need and he prays regularly to God. An interesting character. By the way, if you, if you read through scripture, uh, uh, Old Testament, the story of Israel, you will catch glimpses of things like this over and over again. The fact that God was active in the world and his mission was being accomplished in the lives of, of many different people. Now, the Israelite people uh, play a very important role uh, in, in this covenant relationship with God um, and, uh, and, and Jesus and the 12 apostles born of the nation and the church beginning out of the Jewish nation, right, play a beautiful and special role. But you catch glimpses like this that I think are beautiful. A Roman soldier absolutely hated in a society who was a God-fearing man who prayed regularly and cared for people in need. I like that. God is at work in the world, right? Okay, so he says, uh, this angel appears to Cornelius while he's praying. Your prayers have been answered. I want you to send uh, for Peter. So he sends off a few of his people. Chapter 10, verse 9. At about noon the following day, they, the people he had sent, were on their journey and approaching the city. Peter went up onto the roof to pray. Uh, he became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Okay, so uh, God has appeared, an angel has appeared to Cornelius, and now Peter, while praying, and the people are approaching his house, God appears to uh, Peter. And he receives this vision of a sheep being let down with animals, and God says, all right, time to feast. Go kill one and uh, and and prepare it, and let's eat. And Peter says, no way, not a chance. Now, I can really relate to Peter here. Um, so I grew up, I, I never had a hunting license. Uh, I think, I think that I would really enjoy the hunting part. It's possible that I could shoot an animal, but I can guarantee you, I am not the person that ever wants to clean an animal, uh, and, and prepare it to eat. So I think I can really relate to Peter here. Um, last thing on earth I want to do is slaughter an animal, right? But in reality, his concern has nothing to do with that but everything to do with Jewish law. 
You see, the, the Israelite people had very strict dietary laws. It related to what they could and what they couldn't eat. And eating the wrong things would mean you are unclean and unable to enter the temple. And there would be ceremonies and sacrifices required to be declared clean again, right? And so, so God says, go ahead and eat. And Peter, thinking he's on the side of God, says, of course not. This is a test. I will not eat your food. Uh, I will not eat this food, right? I, I, I've never eaten anything unclean and God makes a simple statement to him don't call anything impure that God has made clean and you got to imagine his head is spinning what in the world could this mean so three times they have that conversation that interaction back and forth um and uh and God says to him Simon um I'm kind of just paraphrasing a little section uh three men are looking for you go downstairs and don't hesitate to go with them he goes downstairs to find unclean people people that are not allowed in his home, whom he's not allowed to associate, certainly not allowed to go into their home. But God has made very clear to him, I'm doing something different here. And don't call unclean what you have assumed to be unclean in the past. Okay, so verse 23, he invites them in. And then verse 23, the next day, Peter started out with them. And some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, uh, Peter went inside, and he found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I could not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent me? Cornelius at this point steps up to the plate and he tells his story of having received a corresponding vision and sent, uh, for Peter. Um, and, and, and Cornelius says this to him. He says, now we are all here in the presence of God to listen. And all eyes turn to Peter. Can you imagine being Peter in that moment? Like God has just revealed the most major shift in Israelite history, you know, in, in, in centuries. And, and he's standing in front of these people. In who, in, in a home that he would not have been in a day prior. And they say, okay, God's brought us here. What does it mean? We're waiting on you. And at this point in the story, Peter shares that gospel message with them. Remember, this, this is a text we read at the beginning. He said, I've got good news. God has brought about peace. God has won a battle and peace is the result. He says, there was this man, Jesus, and you've heard of him. And he went around doing good and healing people. But his own people, they hung him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead. He appeared to people like me, and he said, and he tasked me with this, go and preach the good news to the world, knowing that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through Jesus' name. I don't know if you can picture the scene. Like Peter is just discovering this is, this is theology on the fly, right? He realizes through this vision, God is doing a new thing. He remembers the words of Jesus and he stands in front of this dozen or two dozen or how many ever people have gathered and he says, I've got good news. God is bringing peace to this household. 
Like, I think if we realize the magnitude of this shift, the invitation and just the radical nature of his invitation to people that were so far removed from the Israelites, if we could, if we could just grasp the magnitude of it, it would just crush us in realizing just how gracious and loving God is in the lives of anyone, of everyone, that God desires them to know his peace, desires them to find peace and forgiveness and new life in him. So gospel, so, so, uh, Peter, uh, lays out this gospel message and it says in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who were, who heard the message. The circumcised believers, um, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them a few days. So here it is, friends. It, it's, it might sound like an ordinary story as we read through it. It's possible that we're pretty familiar with it. And so it comes off as a, a story we've heard many times in our lives. But we see a major, major shift in the story of the work of God in Acts chapter 10. We see this message of hope opened up to all the world. I mean, the words were everyone who believes in him is invited to this peace and this forgiveness and this hope. Friends, that is a beautiful, beautiful message about the work that God is doing in the world. And I wonder what it looks like in our lives to extend that message of hope in as radical a ways as Peter did in this story. Like, think about the people we encounter on a daily basis, the people that seem so far off and so unsavable. But this message is for precisely them. And if we catch a glimpse of the radical nature of, of the mission of God and, and, the, and the offer that Peter makes on his behalf, well then, friends, I want to say we are invited into radical hospitality, radical love in the world around us that invites people to know the goodness of God. And friends, that to me sounds like good news. Remember we talked about that gospel message and growing up, I don't know, it might have been a lot of different things. But I hope today we hear that the gospel is good news for all humanity. That it is an invitation to anyone to find God's goodness, love, his grace, his forgiveness, new hope, and new life in him. So today, I said, let's be resonating on this question. Is it for me? Some of us in this room have accepted Jesus and, and we've put our faith in him and we found that hope and new life. Others of us uh, are, are still on that journey. I hope for each of us we'll be asking, is it for me and, and what, what does that mean? I want you to know this though. Uh, in the first century, God did incredible things through the Israelite people, world-changing things. Like the world is a different place because of what happened through Jesus, these 12 apostles, the Jewish community that then began the church, that began to thrive and spread throughout the world and quickly became a Gentile church predominantly, right? Incredible things, world-changing things happened in the first century. This man, Jesus, he walked on earth, he died, and, and witnesses say, he, he rose again. I sat and ate with him, and he sent me on this mission. 
The Holy Spirit began a powerful work in the lives of ordinary people. The church spreads throughout the world. Here's what I know. Is it for me? I know this. The invitation is for you. It is for me. It is for all of us. The invitation is for me. But the question is, what will I do with it? So I just want to invite us to consider this morning. Is it for me? Does this gospel change the way I realize the world? Does it, does it change the way I realize God, not as some God that set the world in motion, set it spinning, and left it to be? But do I recognize that God's mission is good, real, and alive in and amongst us, right? Does it change my perspective on people that seem so far from me? Do, do I realize out of God's love, I am invited to, to learn to love like he does? I am empowered to love like he does. Is it for me? If you've not come to know Jesus as your Savior, if you've not found your hope in him, we would like, we'd like to invite you to that. And if after service today, if this is tugging on your heart, I'd like to invite you to come to myself or the Dean Hills or one of us, my wife Sarah, come and talk with us that we can pray together, that we can talk about what it looks like to give a life to Jesus, to find new hope, to find salvation, that we can pray together and make a new commitment, find belief and hope that changes a life. Friends, thank you for joining us this morning. Let's pray together as, as we just consider. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for um, all that you've done for us. Father, we thank you for the radical story of Cornelius, uh, the, the radical story of, of Peter realizing how great your invitation is, how widespread it is. And Father, today I pray that you will impress on our hearts uh, that it is for us. Father, that, that your invitation is to us, whether we consider ourselves too good or too bad. Father, will you break down our barriers that we can know uh, that, that it is for us. And Father, help us to view the world differently around us to know that your invitation is for them as well. Father, help us to be people that participate in your good and loving work in this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Friends, just a couple of reminders as we close out today. Uh, I want to remind you, Sarah's going to be back here. We're going to have a quick meeting. Uh, we're on Easter Sunday. We're going to need uh, two setup teams, one in here and one out there. So if you are willing to participate, uh, we'd love to have you come out on Easter Sunday, two weeks from today. Remember that? Um, thanks for participating in that and helping out with it. Um, also want to remind you, Easter Sunday, uh, for those of you that are thinking about this, man, maybe I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Uh, let's pray together. Let's, let's do that. And on Easter Sunday, we're going to have a baptism service after church, and we would love to celebrate God's salvation and his good work in, in baptism together. Um, I, I know of one, possibly two people, uh, ready to make that commitment and, uh, and, and celebrate in that way. So I just wanna, want you to consider that. Dream about what it looks like. Uh, next step in life, God is doing a good work in our lives, doing a good work in the world around us. Isn't it a blessing to participate in that? Have a blessed week.